Certainly the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. You can sense His presence. You know the power of His grace. He's meeting with us. His blessing, His glory is here. Lord, would You help us understand what You have done in us, through us, and for us so that we may become what You want us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you over the next couple of weeks about something very important. If we're going to have an effective prayer life, we need to fully understand our identity in Christ. Who are we? Who are you in Christ Jesus? And so I want to share with you a message called ID Me. What's my ID? Who am I? Who are we as Christians? I start with a quote from Blaise Pascal. I don't know if you're familiar who Blaise Pascal is. He's a French mathematician, a physicist, an inventor, a writer, and a Christian philosopher, a great scientist, Um, was great in the realm of mathematics, one of the very first inventors of mechanical calculators, and his theories and ideas in math were amazing, and he was also a Christian a strong believer. And he says this, he says, not only do we not know God except through Christ Jesus, we do not even know ourselves except through Christ Jesus. Many of you have yet to be introduced to the you that Jesus is making you. Christ is making you into something glorious and you haven't let go of the junk yet to get there. There is a glorious, glorious you that is identified in Christ that needs to be released. And that's God's job through His Holy Spirit. And we don't even know who we're going to become until we meet Jesus. Some of you, when you were kids, wanted to be, uh, I don't know, uh, an engineer, a pilot, a doctor, a sports figure, a rock star, right? And you thought that was your identity and you've tried and things come and they go and your identity is what you ended up at work with. But there's an identity that Christ has for you that is out of this world. It's amazing. It's fantastic. And you may still be delivering newspapers, but in the place God is making you to be. And that's exciting. Listen, before you even know who you are, Christ has to explain it to you. And Even those who don't know the Lord Jesus don't know their condition until they meet Him. Most people who are sinners don't want to recognize that identity. But everyone who comes in contact with Jesus finds one thing out immediately. What's their identity? Sinner. That's not very pleasant. J. Vernon McGee says that when you meet Jesus, you are first glad, well, no, you're first mad, then you're sad, then you're glad. You're mad because when you come into contact with a Savior who says you're a sinner, you get a little ticked off. You don't like that exposure of your sin to the righteousness of God, right? But then you realize your your condition and you come to the revelation of really who you are and you become sad about it but then you realize the savior has introduced himself to you and so i'm glad he did that everyone comes to the lord through the identity of being a sinner 
Now, the church, unfortunately, has tried to take that out of the equation. You can have Jesus be your buddy. You can have him be your pal. He'll pave your sidewalk with gold. He's just the wonderful guy you need. And just put him in your back pocket and have him join you on your life. La, la, la. But anybody who has come to the true Lord Jesus comes to a holy God and comes to realize that on the cross He died for all sin. And you're confronted with your own sin upon a living Savior. So our first identity that we have to come to grips with, and I hope all of you have, some of you may have not, is that we were sinners. And that's our identity. In the Scriptures, the way they call sinners is, in the heavenlies, really you don't have a name. Your identity is simply the major sin you practice. You look in Scripture and you'll see that when they identify people, they're either liars, adulterers, fornicators, gossipers. I mean, really, the sin is what identifies you. But I love the fact that when I come to the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm saved, there's a new name written down in glory that identifies me and is called out of me. And I'm becoming that one He's identified. Much like Gideon behind the barn, who was trying to hide the hay and get something so that the, uh, I, I can't remember, it's the, the Philistines or the uh, Midianites, one of the two, I think the Midianites, right, were after him, and, and the angel of the Lord came and said, Thou mighty man of valor. He was a chicken. He was hiding. God called out of him what he was becoming. God knew in that man was a mighty man of valor, but God had to call it out. In many of you, you are a mighty man of valor, a mighty woman of valor, of prayer, of reaching the lost, of some aspect that is truthful and honorable and glorious, and God's calling it out, and that's your identity, but you're not living under that identity. And the saddest thing is there's so many Christians still living under the identity of sinner. And I want you to know that God has changed that category and has changed your identity if you'll accept Him. Ephesians 2.1 says that we're dead. Before we know Jesus, we're dead in our trespasses and sin. John 1.17 says that we were condemned already. The condemnation came back in the garden. Anyone born of Adam is condemned to sin and death and hell. That's a tough state to be in, and if you don't realize it, when you meet Jesus, He lets you know that. Would you please turn with me to Romans chapter 5 so we can understand our identity better and understand what took place to change our identity. Because God does not want you to stay a sinner. He sent His Son so that you could be delivered from that identity and brought into a new identity. Romans chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 12. It says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Pretty simple, isn't it? In fact, we go down to verse 18, and he says this. No, I'm not there yet. Uh, Verse 14, 
Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who is to come. This verse tells us that Adam broke covenant with God. Hosea 6-7 said Adam broke covenant in the garden. And when he did, he locked his condition in as broken covenant or dead to God. And everyone who is born of Adam is born in that condition. And this verse 14 tells us that Adam is a type of the one to come. I like the NIV word better that says he's the pattern of the one to come. There's a pattern established, the one to the many. The pattern that he's telling us is from the one to the many. In Hebrew, it's called the seminal understanding. Semen, seminin, is from the father, the progenerator. From that father, all the children inherit the relationship that father has with God. Adam is our father. Everyone born of Adam is born how? A sinner. And that's the pattern. And so in Adam, everybody is a sinner. How many of you are born of Adam? I just want to make sure we don't have any aliens in the house. (laughs) We're all born of Adam. That's the whole reason behind the virgin birth. The whole point of the virgin birth is, yes, it's a glorious miracle. Yes, it's wonderful as a sign. But the whole point of it is that Mary as well born of Adam, is born a sinner, despite some doctrines, was born a sinner. But the baby's blood within the womb of the mother never mingles with the mother. And so that baby in Mary was progenerated. The seed came from God. And so Jesus was fully human, but He was not of Adam's race, though He was man. And therefore, he became the second Adam or the last Adam. Now, here's the pattern from the one to the many. Everybody born in Adam is a sinner. The minute you were born and cried, wah, you were a sinner. But everybody born in Jesus, our progenitor, those born in him, now have a new identity. Let's figure out how that happens How can this be, this pattern from the one to the many? It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus identified Himself with us. Talk about identification. He who being equal with God thought it not necessary to grasp it, but released himself, kenosis, emptied himself, and became like a man. He became one of us. He identified with us. And in his identification with man, he took upon our sins and stood before a holy God on our behalf with our sins. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. And he told Nicodemus, just as the serpent was lifted up on that pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man shall be lifted up. And so as they looked to that serpent for their healing, we look to Jesus as he's lifted up. He identified with us. So the pattern is this. 
If you're in Adam, everyone of that headship of Adam is born in sin. But if you're born in Christ, everyone under His headship is born anew and without sin. There's only one problem. How do you get out of Adam and into Jesus? The only way to get out of your creation of Adam is to die. And that's a problem. Really is. Do you know why? If you die while you're in Adam, you're condemned to hell because you're a sinner. So I've got a problem. I want to get out of Adam. And if I die to get out of Adam, I'll go to hell. How am I going to cross the bridge of death to get into Jesus? And that's what Christ did. He bridged the gap between Adam and Jesus and He took death upon Himself so that when you affix your eyes to the cross, to Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in what Christ did, it is no longer Christ, uh, you who live, but Christ who lives. I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ. And so I die with Christ Jesus. And by faith, I put myself on that cross and I am dead. In fact, it says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 5. If you have been united with Christ in His death, you shall certainly be united with Him in His resurrection. Verse 6, we know that our old man was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Are you getting this? Look at the math. Blaise Pascal, the mathematician, put it to you. I'm putting it to you this way. Do the math. If you're in Adam, the only way out is to die. The only way to die without dying is to die at the cross with Jesus Christ. And by identifying with Him as He identified Himself with you, sinner, you die with Him, but you will what? rise with Him in a new identity and be born again. Hallelujah. You now have a new identity, a new name written down in glory, a new future, a new destiny. That's who we are as believers. We have a brand new identity. Let me put it to you this way, another way. We were sinners Our sin is red as scarlet. God wants to make it white as snow. So Christ came to stand in our place so that through His death we die and we will take on His righteousness. Come on, that's crazy. That's too good. That is crazy. A glorious exchange. The love of God that God would come in flesh and identify with our sin so that through that death we could identify in Him to the Father in His righteousness. As immediately as you were born in Adam in sin, the minute you are born in Christ, you are born righteous. You don't have to work to this righteousness. It is the gift of righteousness, Romans says. You're immediately in right relationship, the same relationship that Jesus has with the Father you now have. Somebody got to tell the church this because they don't know it anymore. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have a new 
identity. It is a glorious identity. It is a fantastic identity. And let me say this. The truest thing about you is what God says is true about you. You are no longer classified as a sinner. You are now classified as a saint, a righteous one. Because Christ has given you, imputed unto you, credited unto you, His righteousness. It's yours now. You can go to the Father at any time and speak to Him with boldness and with confidence, just as Jesus speaks to the Father, because you are now in Christ. We've got to understand this identity, folks. Many people don't understand this. They don't understand. You cannot be in Adam and in Christ. That's deep. You've got to take that home and think about it. Because we have most people in the church who think that they're just a sinner saved by grace. That's, that, you know, as the reformers would say, we are no better than snow-covered dung. Is that the best this has wrought for us? Did the cross defeat sin? Can the spirit of holiness dwell within something sinful? No. We are reclassified, re-identified as righteous, and if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, it's because your sin has been dealt with at the cross. Amen. But pastor, I still have issues. I still sin. I still fail. Yes, and God will work with you on that, but He first secures you in Himself and then reveals that work. But He no longer deals with you and your sin as judgment and condemnation. He deals with it as a father to a son. He corrects and He disciplines. And all discipline leads to love and correction. That's the process we're in right now. I've got a new identity and this identity is good. That's who I am. You need to identify yourself in Christ Jesus, knowing that you are now a son of God. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become what? The righteousness of God. Christians have a hard time saying that because they know what they look like. But he knows who you are. And he is making you and calling what is true about you. That's what is the truest thing about you. Many Christians are holding on to their old identity. How many of you still have some of your junior high and high school ID passes? I don't know why I saved all mine. I looked at them. It's really depressing. What was I thinking? Do you ever do that? You ever look at your high school pictures and you look at where you're, you know, I mean, I had sideburns down to here. It's like, what was I thinking? Your hair was out to here. And I was like, you know, right? And you were wearing clothes. And it's like, I wore that? You know how many believers are still wearing the sinner identity? You're still wearing the shame and the guilt from sin that has been washed away by the blood. You're still walking around in an identity that is fearful of God and estranged from others because of how you see yourself and it is not your true identity. 
In fact, most of us don't know our true identity because as God sees it, it is coming. It's on the way. Your future is happening right now, but you've got to embrace that identity of what I'm becoming. Amen? You ever heard prophecies over people? Hallelujah. God's going to use you mightily in the kingdom. Right? Could you imagine if you prophesied according to how people think? Hallelujah. God's going to keep you till you die. God's going God's to get you to heaven by the skin of your teeth. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. God's going to do the best he can. You're going to speak to three people in your life. You never hear prophecies like that over people. Imagine that. Hallelujah. Praise God. You're going to win. You're going to feel good about yourself. Probably at about 10 years from now. (laughs) How come when you hear prophecies, God's going to make you great. You're going to speak to nations. You're going to speak to so many people. He's going to use you mightily. Don't you hear that? Everybody receiving is going like, oh my gosh, really? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You got no chance at all. Why does God speak that way to us? Because He's speaking. He's pulling out the Gideons. He's pulling out in you what is to happen. You know, I really thought about that because I've spoken that over people and I'm thinking, really, Lord, this person's going to speak to nations? Really? But you don't know how you're going to speak. You could write a poem and no one knows about you. You know, Vincent Van Gogh sold one painting in his lifetime. He was a complete commercial flop. His paintings sell more than any other modern artist around. What happened? (laughs) Someone found his identity as a great artist. Listen, many of you will speak to nations because you speak to one person. And that one person, maybe from this nation or not from this nation, and they write their Aunt Gladys, who lives in Ethiopia, about their salvation that triggers her salvation, that you spoke to them that spoke to them, and, and their mother starts a little Sunday school that speaks to 20 other kids, and it's speaking to nations. God sees that. God calls that out. Yeah, I'm just a housewife. I've got a kid. Raise this kid. I don't know if it'll ever become anything. But that child comes to know Jesus and teaches somebody else and becomes an usher at the church and ushers in. Uh, You heard the story of Billy Graham. The reason Billy Graham got saved is because there was an usher that got him a seat at a camp meeting. He and his buddy, 16 years old, came to a camp meeting. There were no chairs available. They're ready to walk out, but an usher said, not yet, boys. I'm going to find you a seat. And that usher that nobody knows brought Billy Graham a seat when he was a young man and said, sit here. That night, Billy Graham went up to the altar and got saved. Now you tell me that usher wasn't involved in the inheritance of speaking to nations. There's an identity in you that you don't even know or can even comprehend, but you've got to begin looking to it, living into it, and knowing that God has called you and purposed your life. You matter to God. 
When you're a direct creation of God, you become identified as a son of God. You've been taken out of Adam. Stop identifying with him. He's not your daddy. Jesus is. He's your daddy now. That's who you identify with. That's who you understand to be. Actually, he's your joint heir. He's your brother. God's your father. We'll get the doctrine right so nobody yells at me later. So we understand this. Many of you have had identity theft. You haven't realized, or you're still thinking that in Adam, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. I can't do this, I can't do that. Paul tells me in your new identity, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're going to get it done. We're going to accomplish a lot, but you have to know your identity. Begin to pray with that identity. Begin to call out. Begin to command and commission angels. You have the identity. What are angels doing? They're ministering spirits to the saints. That's their job description. And they're to move on your behalf. Understand your identity. And that's what Paul writes about. So I want you to turn with me to Ephesians 1.17. Ephesians 1.17. It is a prayer that Paul prays for the church. In Ephesians 1, he says this. Verse 16 we'll start at. Saints of God. I'll put it on the screen in case you don't have your Bible. Ephesians 1. We're going to start at 16. I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And this is what he prays, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Having, and this is going to be the result of that, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He's called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the work of His great might? Paul's praying these three things. Holy Spirit, will you give the people of God wisdom and revelation in your knowledge, in the knowledge of who you are? And when you have the knowledge of who He is, you have the knowledge of who you are becoming. To know Him is to know what you're becoming. We're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. When Peter told Jesus, Thou art the Son, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, he said, You're right, and you're Petros. You see, when Peter identified Jesus, Jesus then could identify him and gave him identity. Peter, are you kidding me? Peter the Rock? Little Rock. It's from Arkansas. Are you kidding him? He's going, to be a, he's going to deny you three times. What are you talking about, Jesus? Oh, Jesus was speaking into his future, his identity, and what he was becoming. Peter needed that so that when it came for the time of sifting, he recognized Jesus prayed for him. Peter identified him. You're identified in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that you've been identified, Paul says, I'm praying for your wisdom to increase. You need to have a knowledge of who you are. What is your identity? And I want you to know these three things for your identity. Number one, I want you to know the hope to which he's called you. It's a high calling of God. Now there is a hope and there is a plan. We've become his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He has already predestined for us to do. There is work for you. 
There's no Christian that should be spiritually unemployed. You got to go to the job board every morning. Lord Jesus, what do you got today? He's got something. God has ordained in your life good works to be done. Ephesians tells us this. 10, 9, and 10. That these are good works that He has in store for us that He's already prepared. You've got to work. You've got to work. You've got work today. You've got work today. You've got work, and it's glorious. There is a hope He's called you to. Now, I love the word hope because it is an expectation of what is to manifest. He said He's going to take us from glory to glory, ever-increasing glory. We're becoming more and more in the image of Christ. We're looking more and more like Him. I'm looking more and more like Tim every day. I don't fully get who Tim is. I got a lot to forget about who Tim was. I deal with that quite often and say, I'm not that guy anymore. I don't want to be that guy anymore. Every now and then I confront him and say, leave me alone, you zombie. You're dead. Smash him. I've got to turn. So many walk their Christian walk this way, looking backward. Oh, Lord God, will you ever use me? He keeps saying, turn around, son. You're going to fall again. Turn around. But if I look to my destiny, I'll avoid all the traps the enemy set. I'm going to move around that because I'm listening to the Lord and I'm moving in the directive. He wants you to know. He, you need revelation knowledge, wisdom from the Holy Spirit to know the hope to which you've been called to. You're going to be used mightily. And you're going to speak to nations! And you're going to be used mightily. Little old me, yes. By the might of his power and year, it's going to be so glorious, you couldn't figure this out. It's going to be so complex and so wonderfully woven together in lives and hearts, in the timing of God that you couldn't even, oh my gosh, you couldn't plan this. But if you will be obedient and walk it. So you have an identity. Secondly, he wants you to know the riches of his glorious inheritance. The reason he's having you and putting you to work and that you have a calling and a hope in him is because you're bringing an inheritance to him because of the inheritance he gave to you. The inheritance to him is souls. But the inheritance he's given to you is him. Oh, it's so rich. It's so rich. How many of you know God is so good? God is so good. He's so great. He's so loving. His spirit is so kind. He's so gentle. He's so just. He's so loving. He's awesome. How many of you are overwhelmed at him? He's so cool. You've got to get to know him so that, I mean, you brag on him. He's so cool. I can't believe what he did again today. Jesus is out of this world, man. Look what he does. With people like us. Awesome. Awesome. And then last of all, third, he says, the immeasurable greatness of his power. So how do you measure it? Sorry, you can't. It's immeasurable. So the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, he says, I'm going beyond that. Because that was measured. Right? Think about it. Raising Jesus from the dead is measured. It's a dead man coming alive. That's measured. Right? He said, the power I got behind you can't measure this power. He says, you don't know about it yet. That's why you got to have the Holy Spirit to tell you how much power is behind you. Come on. How many of you know how much power is behind the prayers you've been praying? 
You sat here and prayed for people on this line. There's so much power being released from heaven on this behalf of these prayers. Do you understand that identity? Do you understand your calling? Or do you whimper out a prayer thinking, please God, please, maybe, 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 please. That's a wish. Get in your identity and begin to understand the power that is being unleashed because a son of God has declared, thus is the will of the Lord. He wants you to know this hope of your calling. He wants you to understand the inheritance that you own. And he wants you to understand the power behind it. Man, that sounds good. Right? You ever see guys look at cars? I'm not a car guy. I don't know. Best I do is I fake it. I kick the tire. So I, oh, that's a good car. <laughs> I like the color. But I see car guys. I go, yeah, yeah. What do you got? What do you got? What's under the hood? It's got a Hemi. It's got a this. It's got a that. Where do you plug it in? I don't know. <laughs> they want to know the horsepower behind this thing. I want to know how much power is behind this thing, right? First thing you do, you climb a ladder. How strong is this? We all want to know how much power. He says, you need to pray to the Holy Spirit to begin understanding how much power is behind every word you speak, how much power is in your identity. Brothers and sisters, there is an identity that you now have, and we're going to look at this identity. ID me. ID me. Jesus has ID'd every one of you as a son of God. Now, that's a title. Understand that. Ladies are going, well, I'm, you know, I'm a lady here. I'm not a son of God. No, you are a son of God. Because that is a title, just as bride of Christ. All right? So we're the bride of Christ, men. Deal with it. All right? Just ladies, you're the sons of God. This is a title that means that as a son of God, you have the full authority that the Father has given unto a son. Sonship adoption. You have the full authority of heaven when you pray, when you speak. This is your identity. You need to get rid of the identity that's been stolen. and You need to get it back into your heart of who you are in Christ Jesus. Get rid of your old identity. Get rid of it. Be done with it. Stop going back to guilt and shame. Stop going back to your inferior, inferiority. That's a good word. Stop going back to that stuff and go forward to who he's called you to be. Know your hope, know your inheritance, and know the power behind it. If you're in agreement with me, say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God. Stand with me this morning in Jesus' name.